Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Merry Christmas. It's lovely to see you today. And we are praying and believing that you are having a good Christmas, hopefully with friends and family. You know, Christmas is the most amazing time of the year. There are gifts and giving. And I love so much the fact that we are conditioned to be generous and then to receive graciously gifts from our friends and family. What a wonderful time of the year for us to be able to remember the beauty of generosity. There's also the friends and family aspect, which is so wonderful, where we get time with each other. We able to reconnect and to rekindle relationships. And I'm praying that you have some people around you this Christmas. But then there's also Jesus. And we remember the gift of Jesus, the fact that God sent his son, not on a chariot, not as a conquering warrior, but as a tiny vulnerable baby to a poor family in really difficult circumstances, born in a manger, there wasn't any room for the child. Just the most amazing story. And it reminds us that God starts with small things, with seeds, and then the seeds grow. The Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe there are small things starting in your life. Maybe you're just getting to know Jesus. Maybe uh, there's a business venture or a new job or a new studying path that you are starting. Maybe it's a new idea in your mind. Maybe it's a gift you're trying to develop within yourself and it's small and it's vulnerable and maybe nobody else really knows about it yet. And it feels like it's in a bit of a chaotic situation. You're not sure what's going on. I want to tell you that that's the best place for God to do a miracle. He starts with the small, with the unseen, and he grows it to become something that fills the whole universe. And that's what Jesus is now. I want to talk today about the gift you already have. Have you ever been in the situation where you've been dreaming and wishing for a Christmas present? If you're an adult today, that's probably not so much where you are, but you can remember those days when you were a child and you were wishing for the latest toy, the latest game, the latest movie, whatever it is, maybe some clothing, and you were dreaming and thinking about it. And then you got it and it remained in your cupboard or it remained unused. And then the next year you were wishing for another thing. And I want to say that often we already have more than we need. <laughs> Let's just talk practically and in the natural world for a moment. You probably already have all that you need. You know, if we lived 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, most of the world's population were extremely poor. Most, most of the world's population lived in abject poverty. They didn't have enough food. Um, they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Their job situation was very vulnerable. And even the most wealthy probably didn't have running water. They didn't have access to health care. They didn't have the travel opportunities we have. They didn't have education like we do. They certainly didn't have 
the communication devices that we have, the opportunities that we have. We are living like kings and queens compared to our previous family members and people of the past. We really are so fortunate, so blessed. And I want to just ask you to stop for a moment. And before we wish for gifts and we wish for things to be given to us, Let's just take a moment to be grateful for what we have. You have people around you. You have provision. You have everything you need, really. And you have a safety net around you, especially if you're living in a country that has political stability and law and order. We are so fortunate. There are many countries in the world where there is no law and order, where it's it's mafia style law and order. And we are so fortunate to have a system of freedom and order. So thank you, Lord, for what we have. But now I just want to talk about what you already have as a Christian, because sometimes from a Christian point of view, we become like that spoiled child and we say, God, give me, give me, give me. And often he says to us, I've already given it to you, my child. I love you. And it's almost like the child on Christmas Day who has a beautiful gift right next to them. They've just unwrapped it, but they're looking for the next thing because they're not satisfied with what they already have. And I don't want to offend you, but I want to tell you the truth of God's word that says most of the things that you are asking for, you already have. And it's not a question of asking God for more. Most of the time, it's just a question of realizing what we already have and unwrapping that gift and starting to use it. I still have a shirt in my cupboard from a gift that was given to me three months ago. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't even unwrapped it. Now, the person who gave it to me, if they know about this, which they probably do now, will realize that I didn't value that gift. I didn't even bother to unwrap it. I didn't really need it. And because I'm not using it, it shows that I wasn't very grateful for that gift. And I want to say to you that the way you know whether you are grateful for the gifts that God has given you is that you are using what he's already given you. You are, you are aware and thankful for what you have instead of always saying, God, please, can I have this other thing? Can I have this? Can I have this? What about that? Or looking at somebody else with envy and saying, Lord, I wish I was like them. Let's look at what God has already given us. So I want to look at several things God has given us. I want to look at how we unwrap those things. And then my last part of my talk today, I want to look at some things that we should be asking for and we can still ask God for. So my first verse is in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. God has made us accepted in the Beloved. You know what's interesting is this little phrase, accepted in the Beloved, is exactly the same phrase that the angel said to Mary when she was first approached, the angel came to her and said, you who are highly favored, God is with you. And then he said God was going to give her a child. It was going to be the Messiah and it was going to change the world. But when he said you are highly favored, that is also translated accepted in the beloved. And the Bible says 
to you and me, my dear friend. You are in a family of believers. You are in God's family. You have God as your father and he has accepted you and he loves you. You are accepted in the beloved. Are you crying out for the gift of acceptance? Are you crying out and saying, God, please love me? Or, or maybe you're not even asking for it, but every day you find yourself trying to earn it and, and saying, I wonder if I'm acceptable to God. He says, it's a gift you already have. Isn't that amazing? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You see, this is the, the secret of this whole talk that I'm giving today, is that it's all in Christ. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. When you get Jesus, when you get this Christmas gift of Jesus, just like Mary and Joseph on Christmas morning, when they received this baby, they were so wrapped up in it and so happy with this new child that they had. We should be the same. When you receive Jesus, when you see how beautiful he is, that he loves you, that he lived for you and died for you, and then rose again to give you new life. And you say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me. Make me brand new. When you receive Jesus, you get it all. <laughs> you get it all. He says he has blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing. Jesus contains it all. Praise the Lord. There's a lovely verse in 2 Corinthians 1, which says that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All the promises, no matter how many promises God has made, they are wrapped up in this gift called Jesus and they are yes in him. You say, Lord, that promise, is that for me? Could I ask for the promise of, of blessing, of guidance, of healing, of provision, whatever it is? He says, the promises are yes in Christ. When you get Jesus, you get it all. You already have that gift. Don't go looking for another gift when there's a beautiful one already in your grasp. Isn't that amazing? Another verse that tells us we've got it all is 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't know if you're seeing this, but the Christian life is not so much saying please as saying thank you. It's not so much saying please as saying thank you, because when I get Jesus, God gives me everything. He gives me his forgiveness, his acceptance, his power, his love, his life. He's with me every day. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I already have all these things. And so most of my prayers as a Christian should be thank you prayers and not please prayers. My life should be one of saying, I've already got it. Aren't I blessed? Aren't I fortunate? Thank you, God. Let me walk this out and use this gift rather than looking around and saying, what else can I get? I wonder if that's challenging you today. I heard a story about some uh, fishermen who were stranded off the coast of South America in the middle of the Atlantic. Well, not quite the middle. They were about 20 miles off the coast of South America in the Atlantic. They couldn't see land. They were in a tiny little boat. 
They had no water, no food. They'd been stranded there for a week and a half and they were desperate. They were dying of hunger and thirst, especially thirst. Every now and again, it might rain and they would try and drink a little bit of water, but they were desperately thirsty. And a huge big ship drew up next to them and said to them, why do you guys look so desperate? You could have just drunk the water all around you. Just put your hand in and drink the water all around you. And they said, but it's salt water. We can't drink salt water. And the men on the ship said, don't you realize you are off the coast of the Amazon River mouth, where the Amazon River pours out into the sea. And for at least 20 miles offshore, the water is fresh. It's not salt water because of the force of this river, this Amazon, as it pushes out into the sea. And so you are surrounded by fresh water, and yet you thought you were thirsty. I wonder if you're like that, my dear friend. You have everything you need within you for life and godliness. God has put his living water within you, the source of life and peace and joy and everything you need. And many of us are looking around and we're thirsty and we're saying, please, can I have a drink? And God says, just drink. It's all around you. It's within you. I wonder if that's challenging you today. Another verse, um, just showing us the power that we have within us, is in Ephesians 1 verse 19 onwards, Paul prays that we may have our eyes opened or our minds opened to see what is the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us who believe. He says, I want you to see what you've already got. You're asking for power. But look at the power you've already got. You're asking for a new Christmas gift. He says you've already got one. He says, I pray that you may see the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And he's using all sorts of Greek words that talk about energy and work and power and force and dynamite. He says this power is already within you. The same power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He said, imagine the power that was needed to raise the dead body of Jesus, spiritual power, but also the power that brings life to dead cells, that, that revives a person who's been dead for three days. He says that power that then raised Jesus and then raised him all the way up to heavenly places where he's seated at the right hand of God. He said that power is already in you. Why are you crying out for more when you've already got it? He then goes on in the next few verses, all the way up to verse 6 of chapter 2, to say that God raised us up as believers. We were dead in our sins and God raised us up. And in verse 6 of chapter 2, he says, And God raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You might be saying, God, I'm so far from you. Uh, I need you. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I have your power with me. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would see this power that you already have. You might say to me, but Craig, I don't feel this. I'm not feeling all these things you're saying. I don't feel like I'm surrounded by fresh water. I feel thirsty. I don't feel like I've got power. I don't feel accepted in the beloved. Friend, faith is that step, like Peter took a step out of the boat onto the water and started walking to Jesus. He had fear within him. He didn't feel like he could stand on the water. He had to risk and step out with courage. Faith is saying, I'm going to step out and believe what God's word says. And as we step out, 
we see, whoa, I'm walking on the water. The feelings follow the faith. In John 11, Jesus is speaking to Mary and Martha about their dead brother Lazarus. And he said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He says, believing comes first and then you see. Believe and then you feel the feelings. It's not the other way around. We don't feel it and then believe it because then it wouldn't be belief. A couple of other verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is already a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are already a new creation. Oh God, we cry. Make me new. Change me. Make me righteous. Make me want these things. Make me stop wanting these other things. He says you already have it. It's within you. The same chapter, a few verses later, verse 21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God made Jesus into our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was this exchange, this amazing transfer when Jesus died on the cross, where he took my sin and he gave me righteousness, his righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You already are accepted. You are righteous. You are pure. You have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then the last one, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You say, God, I, I don't know how to think correctly. I don't know. I don't have the right direction. I don't know how to make good decisions. I, I don't know what I should be doing with my future. He says, it's in you. It's in you. You already have everything you need, the mind of Christ. Let me just read you one more verse. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 3, 21, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. It's all in this little baby Jesus who grew up to be the savior of the world. If you receive Christ, you receive it all. All things are yours. So how do we exercise this? How do we use this gift? How do we unwrap the gift? I'm going to mention just a few things. The first is you reckon it to be true. Romans 6 and verse 11 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. He says, reckon yourselves. What does that mean? He says, you reckon yourselves to be what God says you are. You read God's word and it says you are a new creation. You can do these things with God's help and, and you have forgiveness. You have everything you need, the power, the life. He says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. In other words, take a decision to say, I am going to see myself as God says I am and not as Maybe my wrong thinking has thought that I am or what other people say that I am or even what the mirror says that I am when I look at it. I am what God says that I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. Reckon yourselves. That's a decision. You know, I had a friend who had terrible heart pains, chest pains, and he looked it up on the Internet and he was certain he was having a terrible heart attack. He went to the doctor. They put all the electrodes. They did all the tests and they said, you have indigestion. You've You've just got some, something you've eaten is causing you pain in your chest. Now, he had a choice. He could reckon himself to be dying of a heart attack based on what the Internet said, 
or he could reckon himself to be fine just with a bit of indigestion that would go away in a couple of hours. And he had a choice to make. Who was he going to trust? Friend, who are you going to trust? Your own feelings, what others say, what the world says, or what God's word says. Reckon yourself to have what God says you have. Secondly, stir it up. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir it up. That means you focus on it. You thank God for it. You get excited about it. You say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. A bit like Peter, he sees Jesus walking on the water. He says, Lord, if that's you, can I come? Tell me to come. Jesus says, come. Now he's got to stir it up. He's a bit excited, a bit scared, but he's got to get his muscles moving. He's got to make a decision. He's got to say, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to do this. He looks at the water. He looks at Jesus. He hears what Jesus has said, stirs himself up, and he takes some action. Stir up the gift that is in you. Say, I'm going to get excited about everything God says I already have. Thirdly, you put off and you put on. Ephesians 4.22, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I've got to put off something to put on something. If I take this new shirt that I've been given and I put it on over my old shirt, it's going to look strange. It's not going to look right. I've got to put off something to put on the new thing. I've got to say, I'm no longer that old person. And if that means I have to cut off some habits, some decisions I've made, maybe even distance myself from unhealthy relationships or practices, whatever it is, I need to put off something and put on the new and start walking in it. Even though it feels new and perhaps unfamiliar at first, I need to start walking in it. And this is my last point, walk in it. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in them. Take this new gift, this new life, this acceptance, this power, this forgiveness, this freedom, this living water, and start walking it out. Start practicing it every day. And even if you stumble and fail, get up again. Proverbs 24 says, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. And I just want to close by mentioning a few things we can and should ask for. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You can ask for wisdom when you're not sure what to say, when you don't know how to make a decision. Ask for wisdom, for God says, yes, I will give it to you. A similar verse is Luke 21 15, where Jesus said, when you are confronted with people who disagree with you, don't think too much beforehand how you're going to answer them. For I will give you words and wisdom or a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You can ask for wisdom and God gives it. A very similar one is the Holy Spirit's guidance. Jesus said, the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You can say, Holy Spirit, guide me, speak to me, show me. And then a third one is to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, in Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You can always ask for more of the Holy Spirit. We get filled with the Spirit, but the Bible says we are supposed to be filled again and again and again with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. And um, this is something that we should be asking for. Jesus in John 7 stood up and said, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Out of his innermost being will flow streams of living water. Jesus wants to give you his Holy Spirit. And then lastly, our daily bread. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said we should pray, Give us this day our daily bread. And this refers to our provision, our, our physical bread. But it also refers to his words because he says that his words are like bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you pray every day, Lord, give me my daily bread, my words from you that I need to live and move and succeed. He says, I will speak to you and answer you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the gift beyond all gifts, that all of your power is wrapped up in you. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for this gift we already have. And we pray that we would use the gifts we have for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.